Welcome to Bill Caster's Gaiden, an anime podcast that's disgusted with gratuitous fan service. I'm the Macabre Chap, and I'm joined by... SSS Sentai 5. It's Sunglass Pre. And a guest. This hand of mine is burning red. Its love roar tells me to grasp the cord. Metakashu. It's Metafactor from Legion of Boom. Our Legion of Boom brother, and the newest member of Legion of Boom. So on tonight's episode of Bill Custer's Guiding, we are going to review episode 7 and 8 of SSSS Gridman. So, Fives, Pre, Meta, want to start us off? Get straight in. Let's go. Ah, how's the episode start for episode 7? Uh, uh, does well, Hibiki go to his friends and tell him about what happened with the yeah. Met? Right? Okay, cool. Yeah, so that happens and they don't really believe him. They're like, yeah, right. Pretty much just... until like the end of the episode. Yeah, they're just like, you met a human-kaiju hybrid that told you the entire <laughs> plot behind this fourth-dimensional wall? No way. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, he uh, confronts um, Akane, right? Yep, yeah. pretty much. Goes to him. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't confront her directly. Like he, no, She invites he, him, right? He, they go he, on a date. He, res- he <laughs> yeah. resolves that, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to ask Akane what the hell is going on. And if she's actually behind these attacks and like the moment he decides that she literally shows up on his bed. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh like, yeah. She smells his bed sheets and like, <laughs> Oh, it smells like he be. <laughs> she's, oh like, she's like, why don't you want me? Trigger. Why did you do that? That was like the worst thing you could have possibly oh, done. It's, it's absolutely I got a good creepy. chuckle out of that. <laughs> it was literally the worst. Like it's typical, typical trigger. She breaks into his house first of all, more gratuitous fan service. And she literally says to him, you can do whatever you want to me. And I was just like, bro, she's 15. Please, Trigger, please. Can we just have a break? Please, Trigger. <laughs> what, I, what I really want to know is not necessarily how Akane got into his house and why she decided to do that. But why does Yuta have an M14 under his bed? <laughs> hey, man, you got to defend <laughs> you yourself from neighbors sometimes. Like, there's like a rifle stock just poking out from under his bed in one of those shots. Got to stay strapped, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, dude. Neighbors. <laughs> neighbors defending neighbors. Pretty much. He can't always be Gridman. If a nigga want to test, you got to let a nigga know, innit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to say that you guys aren't. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I just found it hilarious. He's like, oh, let me turn down the heat real quick. She's like, no, I'm a god. You don't have to. I'm just like, yeah. what? <laughs> what is wrong with you, you psychopathic woman? Yeah. She's fucked up in the is crazy. Oh. If there's one sort of common thread between both episodes seven and eight, it's that Akane is fucking nuts <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude it's just oh. like if she wasn't here in real life you would hopefully see her or not see her because she'd be in the loony bin um pretty much i really hope no one ever devolves into that form of a mental state <laughs> like <laughs> that's just creepy although your observation yeah. about akane being in a loony bin um in terms of like her actually being god and being omnipotent you can actually confine her to a. Uh, mental asylum for very long because she'd eventually break out or her kaiju would break her out yeah who's alexis would break her out yeah or alexis would break her out that dude is also absolutely crazy yeah i I just love how he's shown up to the date just like (laughs) i'm an alien that's taller than this door but i'm gonna walk right in i would love to have dinner with him he definitely tip very well yo he probably would (laughs) it's really weird too because when he walks in 
because they're eating at, well, to further show how just utterly crazy Akane is, she literally takes you to, to the same Chinese restaurant that's owned by the parents of one of the girls who got killed in the kaiju attack in the first episode. That's correct, Tonkawa's parents. It's it's the one that they went to in the second episode and then found out that all the girls had like died in this rewritten uh, version of the city. Correct, yeah. So right. they sit down and she orders like everything on the menu and then Alexis walks in and uh, Tonkawa's dad doesn't seem to notice anything wrong. He's just like, here's your sesame dumplings. And <laughs> Trigger no was too busy. On. You didn't even get to eat, right? No, yeah, because... Um, he was about to and then he went outside. Yeah, and then Auntie attacked. Funnily enough, <laughs> um, in terms of Yuta um, eating the food, he's just, a, when he first goes into the restaurant, he's just about to eat, take a bite of the food. And then he's thinking to himself, oh, it's poisoned. And then Akane says, oh, it's exactly as you think it is. But she's not talking about the food actually being contaminated with poison. She is speaking about it's exactly like the circumstances of her being God are exactly as Yuta thinks it is which is actually quite a funny moment, but it kind of like made you stop and think for a while. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything exactly. more about episode seven guys? Like Sky Vita, obviously um, we get to see awesome. the Sky Vita and Sky Grid Man. Yeah, Sky Grid Man was fucking sick, man. It yeah, was. When flew up to the city. Oh yeah, that was cool. And also um, another thing of note, um, Akane seemed quite like incredulous, like quite apoplectic at the fact that Alexis um, Kerab let Anti create a Kaijo as opposed That's to her because she wants yeah. to be she yeah. basically wants to be alexis's special little girl and to be the only one that can create the kaiju but alexis flat out tells her anti has more hate towards gridman he has more malevolent feelings towards gridman so i'm gonna let him create a kaiju to which she is like absolutely enraged at which is actually yeah. also quite a funny moment and very much tells us more about akane's character and her state of psychosis and her mental I, I illness I think Definitely. it tells us more about Alexis, actually, because this is really the first time that yeah. we see he has an agenda or a motivation other than just to help Akane. Like, I suspect that they had something else going on and he was just humoring her. But this is the first time we see him, like, make plans and do something directly against the heroes without mm -hmm. Akane's uh, motivation behind him. That he does it just completely on his own. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't think... Well, it's interesting because you bring up the idea that Akane wants to be like the only one that can do this because we see her echo Yuta's words about something only I can do repeatedly yeah. in this episode and in the next episode. It's, it's this idea of control where she's the one that everyone's dependent on, that everyone loves, that everyone wants to be friends with. It seems to be her biggest hang up. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. yep. And it's, and it's, the, um, it's what fuels her God complex, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Her undying need to be loved. That's basically all she wants because she's a very, very lonely individual. Yeah. The other thing I picked up from this episode with episode seven is that uh, Super Raya really just needs to make an animated version of Gekiden because <laughs> they literally have the Gekiden version of Hikari on in a TV in the background. And I did a serious double take when I saw that for the first time. I mean, like, I know obviously there's an ultra, speaking of um, animated adaptations of Super Raya properties, I know obviously there's an animated adaptation of the Ultraman um, manga slated to premiere next year, but what yeah, I'd quite like, yeah, in two thousand. But what I'd quite like to see is an animated adaptation of the Ultraman like series of the actual Tokusatsu, done in a similar way to how SSSS Gridman's been done. So maybe like a slight reboot. Uh, what what you need to do 
is get a subscription to the Toku HD channel okay. and go watch the 1979 Ultraman anime because okay. it's an it's an early Sunrise production. Right. You can tell because <laughs> they straight up reuse assets from Gundam. But it's it's actually really, really shockingly really good. Okay. So if you haven't seen that, but you want more anime Ultraman, that would be right up your alley. I was just going to say like a modern adaptation with um, obviously modern day animation and aesthetics that would actually be really cool i mean like they've adapted garo and Mm -hmm. sorry ginga herb fuck you garo is toku (laughs) they've adapted gridman so what they really need to do they need to do ultraman is the next one like i'd even take an animated adaptation of carmen rider and super sentai to be perfectly honest oh yeah i I really hope because apparently like looking at numbers for merchandise and ratings for this show this is one of the most successful shows trigger has done and it's definitely making Subaraya loads of cash. So Absolutely. I really hope that they continue to do side projects like this, either adapting older properties or, like you said, just straight up adapting the Ultraman formula, but for an anime. Because if there's one thing that the 1979 series proved, it's you can do a lot of really cool stuff when you're not dependent on a practical effects budget. Speaking of Definitely. merchandise, have you guys seen the um the SSSS Gridman um the action figure and the assist weapon set? Like it's super fucking expensive, but it looks so fucking oh, good. Oh my god! Yes. Who's it? Who's it made by? Good Smile. The, yeah, yeah, Good, good smile, smile. Yeah, one. absolutely. Oh, it looks so nice. Really it looks good. so nice. Good Smile putting out that quality content. If we're being honest, I saw the pre-order on Crunchyroll already. I was like. Damn, that's really steep for that price. Yeah, I'm probably gonna pre-order uh, it on Friday when I get paid. To be honest, five. I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna pre-order it as well. Yeah. How much US dollars is it? Hundred thirty-five, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, that that seems pretty reasonable for how intricate all those parts have that's, to be in order to fit together to make different forms. Believe it or not, that's average price for Good Smile. Really? Um, yeah. No way. Yeah, that's. Is yeah. There, is their quality good? Is their plastic yeah. quality good? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Fair no, enough. Uh, Good Smile is like top of the line quality. And okay. if I remember right, they only do like one wave of each. So if you keep it, it'll go. It'll do nothing but go up in value. My um, goodness. Yeah, I need to get that. <laughs> it's It's been about a year since I've dabbled with Good Smile. Okay. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I know Good Smile are primarily known for like Nendoroid figures, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they do Figma, don't they? They do Figma as well. Yes, they yeah. do. And they did a crap load of popular anime designs as well. Like, do you know a Kansai collection by chance? No, never heard of it. Nope. Oh, basically, it's a bunch of uh, it's ship girls, essentially, that Japan has over there. And it's hugely popular. Oh, boy. Japan. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Good Smile has made so many figures out of all of those and banked on it. And uh, they they just have like that top tier quality. Good Smile also do um, for Gunpla fans out there. Good Smile also do model kits as well under their Modroid line. Like, for example, they've done some kits from um, Full Metal Panic invisible victory they've also done some kits from they did they did a god mars mode roid as well have you guys seen that yeah, um i think i've seen the full metal cool. panic kits i think yeah they did um they did one of the savage crossbow from um full metal panic um invisible victory the namsak arc but i'm probably i'm looking at that god mars it's only about 70 dollars and it's basically it's a model kit and it's a and it fully combines as well Although the uh, tiny little robot doesn't actually combine with it but the um other four five the other five robots do combine yeah, I haven't actually seen God Mars, but yeah, the the uh, mode road of God Mars looks really, really good. You can get it from HLJ and all that, so yeah, I'll probably cop that as well when I'm copping the um the SSSS Gridman assist weapon set. 
So yeah. Uh, uh, thinking about it, I'm just going to tell you guys now. I would actually purchase that because now that I'm thinking about it, I saw some of the good smiles on their release. They could be up to two hundred and fifty dollars. So if you get right. the Gridman figure, do you get the Gridman figure and you get uh, the accessories? Yeah, with yeah. All of the assist weapons come you with get it. Everything. Oh, snatch that up. That's a deal. Uh, yeah. Especially if you get all four. I think you can get it from Amazon as well. You could probably get it from everywhere. I know. I know Crunchyroll had it for a little bit more. I think it was a hundred six. Yo, for all you boys with Prime, get it on there. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> get that two-day shipping. I have Prime. I was going to get the Axe Builder DX set, but um, I don't want to have to build it. <laughs> I'd rather have it pre-assembled already. So yeah, before we go into episode eight, uh, Meta, what did you think of episode seven? Ah, I, I absolutely loved it because it delved into uh, everyone's character, like uh, like we were talking about, you know, Akane, obviously sociopath. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Alexa obviously had that secret agenda, which you know we sort of all knew. Although the the Sky City, I got what do you want to call that? The Sky City, I guess. I wasn't it's, really. It's literally, it's literally the computer world. Yeah, it's the yeah. computer world yeah. in the original Denko Chojin Gridman. Going into this, I know absolutely nothing about the previous Gridman. I'm gonna oh, you know okay, that now. Enough. Yeah, so I'm a scrubby boy. I'm a scrubby scrubby boy. So I have theories. I don't actually know what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, no, I absolutely adored it. I love the way uh, that the characters interacted, especially how like Hibiki's just like, yo, I'm going to try to help her out. You know, maybe I can talk her out of killing everyone. But I, I feel that he's got a little seed inside of him. It's just like, man, she's hopeless. She took me to a place where she literally killed these girls to her parents' place. Like, come on. <laughs> like, <you can't. laughs> and then like Alexis, like, you know, he, he seems all nice all the time to Akane and he's just like, oh, cool, Kaiju, let, let's go. And then after he's like, oh, I'll deal with that useless anti guy. And then he just, you know, loses the eyeball. <laughs> it's just like oh, the yeah. part about that scene is that like it doesn't show up in the screen caps that I was doing when I was live tweeting, but he's laughing the entire time. Yeah. And yeah. it's the creepiest <laughs> thing. Dude, I feel bad for Auntie. You know, I already felt bad for him because, you know, he's bumming around in the trash can for food every he day. Stinks. But now it's just like, yeah, he stinks. He's he's bumming in the trash can for food. I don't feel sorry for Auntie. Like, basically, his only purpose is to try and destroy Gridman. Like, he attacks Yuta when Yuta's in the form of a defenseless human. And he's also like a Mr. Me too. Like, he copies everything Gridman does. I think eventually he's going to realize just sort of how futile that is and come around to helping the heroes. But we'll see that that'd be nice but i can't help but feel bad for him because you know he was sort of like thrusted into that you know he doesn't really i'm not gonna say he doesn't have his free will but that like when that's everything you know you're sort of just screwed i mean you can't really expect him to be like no right from wrong it's just like i, I don't exactly know how he was created you know it's not like he was raised from a baby but he's definitely not gonna be like oh maybe i shouldn't do this one thing that everyone's been telling me to do <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yo, Akane keeps telling me to kill Gridman. I don't want to, though. It's just like, that's not how this works. So <laughs> I, I do have sympathy for this character. I really do. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so, um, yeah, pre and fives, just some final thoughts about episode seven. Uh, seeing Auntie's eyeball get slashed out at the end of the episode. I liked it. I was satisfied. Ah, <laughs> oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> sorry meta <laughs> dude you just like destroyed those that past five minutes you know i love you pre uh i think it's really interesting how sort of they well because i mentioned earlier with the episodes how they try to set up this sense of what normal life is supposed to be like how they all go to school and yeah. have lives outside of school and have their own interests and hobbies and stuff and then just akane and alexis just intrude on that constantly and take situations that should be ordinary and make them completely bizarre and like what the hell is going on that sort of thing 
But as we learned in episode six, it's more the reverse in that the like the going to school and all of those normal quote unquote air quotes everyday concerns are the ones that are the fabricated illusion. And yeah. it's the actual conflict against Akane and Alexis that sort of makes up the core of what this world is about. Yeah, pretty it's much. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I thought episode seven was good. I didn't think it was um great. I thought the plot of Yuta's friends not initially believing when he told them the information that he learned about Akane in episode six was quite interesting and that it took for them to see the city in the sky for them to believe him. That was really, really intriguing. Um, yeah. I also find the interactions between Yuta, Akane, and Alexis Kerib. I found that quite interesting. Like how affable they appear to be. Sorry, how affable um, Alexis and Akane appear to be. Um, in reality, what they're actually doing is that they're knocking off people. They're just basically on a massive murderous rampage throughout this um, world that Akane and her kaiju have fabricated. I find that to be quite intriguing. As Pri said, how they intrude on just the, basically the day-to-day -day life of these characters. Yeah, they're kind of extreme utilitarians in the sense that yeah. they're only polite and they only sort of tolerate this everyday like routine for as much as it benefits them. And Absolutely. as soon as it doesn't benefit them, then they kill somebody or make a monster that goes and kills somebody. Which makes you think, how long is it before Yuta is next? Because they are eventually going to probably take action and try and kill him in his human form. Yeah. I wonder what is taking Akane so long to do it. Overconfidence? Maybe? Possibly. There's that, definitely. But I mean, her first instinct when she realizes that Yuta is onto her identity as the mastermind behind all this isn't to go out and like try and stab him. She, well, I mean, as creepy as it is, considering she's like 15, tries to seduce him. I think because she has genuine affection for him. She does. And we see yeah. that with Rika in the next episode where she doesn't want to make them disappear. She wants to force them to love her. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder what the reason for that is. But um, obviously, as we come on to in the next episode, it's actually confirmed that Rika was manufactured by Akane and her kaiju. Whereas we don't know what Yuta's origins are. Yuta is absolutely a real human from outside the computer. Absolutely, he is. He is. Yeah, he is. 100%. And I think Utsumi may be as well, possibly. I don't, we don't know about know. that. Because remember, mm. she said that she said she said that she made Rika to want to be her friend. And that's why Rika can't bring herself to want to attack Akane her. directly right, as they were right. playing through this episode. Yeah. Utsumi has everything that Akane likes. He's into kaiju. He's yeah. kind of a dork and stuff. She, He seems to be perfectly set up to also be her friend and also consider he has a major crush on her. Yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. Think, I think that was specifically engineered by Akane. Maybe she programmed that into him. Plus he's got a little bit of thick on him too. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have the fan service for the girls i gotta pinch that a little bit you know what man you know what i found out chicks really be loving the thick guys nowadays man there'll be some real chubby chasers <laughs> out there man for real dad bod. <laughs> yeah man for real man for yeah, real you, think you can have the dad bod without having kids go absolutely <laughs> absolutely 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 next we're gonna go on to episode eight so uh, Meta, since you're the guest, start us off, bro. Can we uh, can we skip the first like 15 minutes of the episode? Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. But in seriousness, I uh, I absolutely loved that. Uh, and I shouldn't get it mixed up because you know I just caught up. 
but at the same time it ran together for me because i'm going back to back <laughs> but uh i loved it uh with the conversation on the bus how she came in and she's like oh i'm the god of this you know you were me- you were made by me and you know she sort of just she gets that shock and i guess i sort of wonder if she's in like a disbelief of it more so or if she's actually so, for sure yeah didn't she run off the bus Right. Yeah. Yeah. With the bus. And uh, I also love how they're planned. You know, she just shows up and that whole declaration of, hey, I'm going to kill everyone in five days. You have five days to figure out what you're going to (laughs) do. I absolutely love that. Uh, I loved how they sort of did. I really want to say I feel like it was a Mechagodzilla thing where they're just like first kaiju better turn it into a mecha now to make it even more powerful. Well, A, they do that all the time in Ultraman series. B, they did that repeatedly in Gridman. They reused the same kaiju suits, but really like, mechatized it more than once. Yeah, there's mecha versions of a lot of them. Well, let me have my Godzilla. <laughs> they do it in Toku all the time. I mean, like they fucking did oh, yeah. it in Kamen Rider Build as well, like with the Lost Smash as well. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and no one cares about. No one finished Build, but uh, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> meta factor. First of all, fuck off. I don't know what you're talking about. Second I, of I all, finished I finished Build. <laughs> Build slaps. We did a whole episode talking about Build's finale. I was on that episode. Build fucking slaps. Although Geo also fucking slaps as well. Ah, Geo massively slaps. Geo does slap. (laughs) You know what? Like, sorry to take a Toku related detour, but Kamen Rider Geo is so much fun. It's so much fun to watch. It is fun. I don't get how people hate it. They don't like having fun. Clearly, that's Kamen Rider. They they like thinking about trying to make stuff make sense in that show. The but only complaint I really travel. have against it is that some of the two-parters did not need to be two-parters. But yeah, other absolutely, than that, I agree. Great. My favorite part of Zio is when they retcon to build. <laughs> <laughs> Even though build was already retconned. <laughs> um, like, for example, the kaiju designs in Zio are, are absolutely amazing. The other writers are dope. The writer, the head writer, is it Shimoyama? I... You know, I don't even pay attention to I know to the it's writers, the same so. person who did uh, Go Riders, and I forget who it is. The lead writer of um, Comrade Zio is definitely, like, respecting the source material. I mean, the acting may be a bit iffy. I mean, Kamen Rider Gates, like, has constant resting bitch face. I will kill you, Gio. Ah, I told you guys, I will the last kill you, Gio. Zio episode, I complained about that, and you guys all told me I was insane. Well, we were, those... Like, he has one expression. He literally yeah. has one expression. He's just always pissed off for no reason. And why does he wear that stupid, like, neck brakes neck thing, like, I every single thing. episode? I hate that thing so much. Dude, I love that. It stops you from causing the Much like we gave the viewer. <laughs> yeah, dude, that... See, look, now the viewers need that guy's neck brace. You just gave him whiplash from all that, but, uh... That's gonna be, like, $500 <laughs> on P. Bandai's website. Probably. <laughs> also, speaking of Geo, how on earth did they manage to get Decade back? Like, oh my goodness. Because Masahiro Inoue loves There ain't going to be writer next year. They blew the budget for two years. <laughs> no, no. Inoue absolutely loves being a writer. He talks yeah. about it. He comes back basically whenever they ask him to. In- instead of there actually being a proper writer next year, they're going to use one of um, Kamen Rider Waz's ride watches. They're going to bring in like Kamen Rider Quiz <laughs> or Kamen Rider Shinobi. <laughs> or Kamen Rider Kirameki or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping oh, we get... Dear. I'm hoping we get... um. Like Blu-ray specials of those riders. That would be that, so that fucking gonna be? epic. Or they could yeah. be like, you know how like um we get V uh V movies, like right so, exactly. Yeah, we could... Like post series V movies. Hopefully those shows will be post series V movies for Gio, Zio. That'd be dope. And he'd um yeah. show up. Anyways, 
coming off the Kamen Rider back onto SSSS Gridman. Uh, <laughs> yes, guys, episode eight. What do you think? Full powered Gridman. Ooh. Just the declaration Beautiful. of war leading up to it, too, though. Like, you got to admit how they were just trying to shut everything down. That was pretty, pretty nice. That was pretty yeah. fucking sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it just made my day to see, like, they just shat all over her plans because she was getting ready to release the kaiju. And, like, as she was about to, it's just like, oh, well, Gridman's making everyone evacuate. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love it. It's just <laughs> like. I also really love how Utsumi showed his smarts in this episode by um, working out that if they reduced Gridman's size and thus the data that um, the that data consumption was that you that was plan. Oh, okay, plan. okay, so yeah. Yuta really shows his smarts. Like, um, so basically, he, they showed that if they reduced um, Gridman's size and thereby the um, data consumption, that they would be able to fit all four assist weapons through and form Gridman's um, most powerful form. And they also said the word Gatai, which yes, was fucking sick. Ugh. Oh yeah, I'm now, not gonna Utsu- lie. Utsumi was the one who said Gatai, which is absolutely appropriate for his character. I wanted them to say Gatai Grid Dimension, kind of like a live man reference. <laughs> oh, like live dimension, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gatai Grid Dimension. The whole combination, the whole combination, had that whole '80s feel. Of yeah, course. it super did. Of course, it there's did. a reason why it did. <laughs> of course, I know. Go on, tell us, pre. Uh, so the trigger animators basically went frame by frame with all the keyframes for, um, oh crap, I forget the series that they used it from now because I don't watch enough mecha anime compared to you guys, but from something that was animated by Obari. Uh, and they've done lots and lots of references to Obari before, but this is like a, a 15 second long sequence that yeah. pretty much exactly <laughs> mirrored his work. I feel like I retweeted it. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw it on my mm-hmm. timeline the other day that, yeah. It was Time to go look at the star neighbor. <laughs> oh, there's something else I was going to mention. Oh, yeah. So um, talking about the episode, they really do some interesting things with the plot because like the plot involving full powered grid man and how they were able to bring it about and how they fought against the Kane is really good. But there's also a B plot going through the whole thing about whether or not it's a good idea to be fighting a Kane in the first place. And it, it kind of plays off of something that shows up a lot in other Tsuburaya shows and in Ultraman in general, which is sort of the difference between heroes and villains and how they approach fights. And that's really, really apparent in how this episode re- resolves itself. So Rika has an objection. It's like, I don't want you to be fighting against Akane. Despite mm. everything she's doing, she's still my friend. We need to find a way to like, stop her without actually attacking her directly. Yeah. And it's me. It's like, you're crazy. She's our enemy. This is the only option we have. And ultimately, mm. it's me. It's right because Akane is crazy. But she's absolutely crazy. She's batshit insane. Bat oh yeah, no, crazy. she's not backing down from this. But at the same time, Yuda and Utsumi actually do go to Akane and say, hold off on attacking the festival. We don't want you to put all these people in danger. And she's like, you guys are silly. I'm going to do it anyways. And then walks off and goes to PE class. <clears throat> but the fact that they were willing to do that in the first place, and also that they came up with a way to fight against her and minimal- minimize casualties mm. is a really significant part of that development. I think I thought that was Absolutely. really cool how they handled it. Yeah. And also I just like it's me because he basically says exactly what I'm thinking as a giant fan of Ultraman who's watching this because at like the beginning of the episode, they had a thing where uh, it's after. So now they finally believe that Yuta that Akane is the one behind the monster attacks. And then you just like, yeah, they said something about how she's making monsters from her heart or something. It's like, 
is that even possible? And then Utsumi immediately says, well, in the Ultra series, that happens all the time. And I was just sitting there. It's like, I was literally going to tweet that. I was going to make that joke. And then Utsumi just says it. Um, in regards to them ripping off Obari's work um, with the Gatai and um, full-powered Gridman's final attack, I definitely know from watching some of the Brave series, I definitely know the final attack is from Brave Express, Mike Guyne. I definitely yeah, know Mike that for Guyne, a fact. that was the one that they Definitely brought. Mike Guyne, because I've seen Mike Guyne all the way through. Don't even get me started on the Brave. I love the Brave series. Oh, man. And Gal Geiger, my God. I watched Gal all, yeah, so I watched all oh. 50 episodes in about two days. Oh my god! I need yeah, to watch yeah, yeah. that. Real talk. I'll do that. I'll do that after I watch G Gundam. We're gonna do a Gal Gaga episode at some point. So yeah, we have to. We have to. There, there was a little bit of controversy because uh, on social media there was some people who were translating posts from Obari yeah. that made it sound like he was very angry that they mm-hmm. were using his work so explicitly. And as it turns out, because I just saw an update on that earlier today, that somebody actually went through the post and found that the original source mistranslated it and made oh, okay. it sound like it made it sound like new? he was he, he's still pointing out the fact that they're using his work pretty explicitly, but he's not actually accusing them of plagiarism or threatening to sue or anything like that. I mean, mimicry is the best form of flattery. Oh yeah, the people at Trigger <laughs> are definitely doing this because they want to pay off homage to his work and not because they're lazy. Well, dude, they paid it off to so many other people. Like, I don't really see why he would have a problem with it. Right. He's not the only one. This anime, like, is definitely a passion project in and of itself. I don't think Trigger are doing it to make money. I think they, well, first of all, they're doing it to celebrate the, is it the 20th anniversary of Gridman? 25th. 25th anniversary of Gridman. Yeah. So they're doing it to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Gridman. And also it's just a passion project. Like, they're just like fucking massive toku nerds like we are. Oh, yeah, no, the director, yeah. Amamiya, is absolutely doing this because he loves Gridman, he loves mecha anime, he loves everything about this genre. Amamiya? Wait, which Amamiya? Not that one. Not oh, that okay. one. I forget, I, forget his, I forget his first name. Not Keita Amamiya of Garo. I was it's, not, Keita. it's not him. <laughs> oh, okay. I'd have cool, to look cool, up the cool, guy's cool, full cool. name, but it's Amamiya. Is, Fair uh, enough. His, yeah. As much as we don't like Common Whacker... <laughs> they did a inside on Trigger Studios. They uh, had Transformers figures. They had yep. figures yeah. from Drive. They had Old yep. Man Sparkdoll vinyl figures sitting yep. on there. Like the people who work at Trigger are Toku nerds. They're fucking yeah. massive Toku nerds, just like we are. And we have what four more episodes of Gridman? Is it? Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. It, it ends. Yeah, because it wasn't a twenty-three season. Yeah, it ends the same week as Ultraman RB, so that's going to be really interesting. Free's going to be crying that week. but uh... I'm going to be a mess. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping that um, SSSS Gridman would be a full, like, 26-episode anime season. Um, And, yeah, anime season. I was hoping it would have two cores of 13 episodes, but unfortunately, it's only 12. So hopefully they will be able to wrap up the story in 12 episodes. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, four more. But I, yeah, I really hope so. No, that's what I meant in, in the, yeah, well, within the next four episodes. I meant within the whole 12 episodes. Hopefully it will have a satisfying conclusion. I feel like I it will. So I think oh, it yeah, will. Oh, yeah, it absolutely will. I feel like 26 would leave for a lot of filler if we're being totally real, especially well, with the it, pace of the recap. recap. <laughs> well, again, the main writer for it is no stranger to Tokusatsu. I mean, this is the head writer for Ultraman Dyna, other Ultraman series, Nexus, um, and yeah. also co-wrote Double and Drive. So he's he's has the experience with doing longer form series too. But I, if anything, I was more worried that he wouldn't be able to cram everything into twelve episodes. But so far, it seems to be doing pretty well. This is the guy that was the head writer for Common Rider Drive. 
No, uh, one of the writers. Sancho oh. was the main writer oh, okay. or the main director, I forget. But he he co-wrote for both those series. Common Rider Dress Slaps. Oh, yeah. Double Slaps. What else did you say he wrote as well? Uh, Ultraman Dinah and Nexus. But he's written episodes or parts okay, cool. of a lot of other Ultraman series. But those are the two that he's most well known ne- for. Nexus Big Slaps. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. And I am going to get around to watching Dinah because TV Nihon finished their subs. Co- yes, I they did. I, I notified you of that, I believe. <laughs> a lot of people notified me of that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take credit, goddammit. <laughs> overall, uh, episode eight was extremely interesting. I loved it. Uh, I love the complete form because, oh my God, that was possibly Great. one of the most beautiful mecha forms I have seen in a while. Full-powered uh, Gridman but- is super, super duper awesome. So- Somebody yes. took a clip of him just walking through all of the missile and laser shots and just no-selling yep. everything and set it to <laughs> staying alive by the Bee Gees. And it's oh the funniest thing ever. <laughs> that moment when he walks through all like the missiles and everything, that's just like a regular Sentai Robo battle. It's awesome. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, anti-visiting uh the armament guys. I don't know. Yeah. What, what what would you call their group? Yeah. To eat, you know. Genesis I just call, I just people. call them the support neon weapons. Genesis, yeah. Well, yeah, we call them support weapons, but they technically are the Neon Genesis Junior High students. Oh, yeah. it's in the so in the original Japanese, because uh, I'm watching the subtitled version, they call it Shinseki, mm-hmm. uh, which is the original Japanese title for Neon Genesis Evangelion. Too. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so, but they translated as Neon Genesis <laughs> for the English subs, and I believe for the dub too. But they had a joke where they show up at school and for like the first time, people actually notice that they're at school and they stick out and people are like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, and and yep. then they ask and then uh, Rika's friends ask her, well, who were those guys? And Rika tells them their name. Oh, the Neon Genesis Middle School. And then her friends go, that sounds like a really shitty band. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. <laughs> it does. It really, really does. Although... Speaking of bands and Neon Genesis Evangelion, Neon Genesis Evangelion's theme tune is, without a doubt, probably the greatest anime theme tune of all that time. That song slaps. Absolutely. Big <laughs> slaps. Dead ass. Uh, fives and Meta, want to like give us some final thoughts on episode eight, and then I'll give my final thoughts. Want to go, guys? Uh, hmm. I don't know if I can really add, if I have anything else to really add to what we said. Um, Full Power Gridman was pretty much the main highlight of this episode. I don't know if there's anything else to really add to it. Um, it's gonna Hopefully it's going to be an intense next four episodes, because now I'm assuming we're headed into endgame territory. Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be endgame territory. Um, I thought that this was a really good episode. Full Power Gridman definitely was the highlight of this episode. Um, Also, Akane's revelation to Rika that Akane's kaiju created Rika and that Rika is programmed to only love Akane was quite interesting. And um, Rika, like, dealing with the reality of that, like, you could see in her eyes that she was finding, she found it quite troubling to deal with. And that it caused her some sort of mental trauma. The fact that she was created by this god who is like literally imminent right next to her. So yeah, that was quite interesting. Like if you could see it now, it looked like she had some real difficulty grasping the fact that the god who created her, her creator was sitting right next to her. 
There we go. Yeah. Somebody pointed out on Twitter that you'll notice through the episodes before this point, when we see the kaiju in the background, yeah. like they start off really blurry and foggy in the first couple episodes, and yeah. they gradually become more and more in focus. Uh, uh, when we have a shot of them after Rika, after Akane reveals that to Rika, they're in full focus, and you can see like all the detail on. Oh them. yeah, like all the like, holes in them and stuff. Yeah, so that fog is finally gone. So yeah, I don't know. As much as I love. Uh, like full power grid man i do feel like all that mental uh trickery going on all the bamboozling if you will uh was sort of the highlight for me and then of course i think the the funniest part to me was more so caliber grabbing auntie's number because he's just like yo we're gonna call you back (laughs) (laughs) he's like you can teach him manners later because he's gonna be a good guy or when auntie tried to eat and just you know Face planted into the food. Yeah, yeah. Just like, <laughs> man, dude, that's it's people at Thanksgiving right there. But uh, yeah, interesting. As yeah. much as I love uh, mecha animes for the fights, because you know that's what everyone loves it for, because that's what you go for. This right. definitely has a mental aspect to it that I enjoy as well. Yeah, it sucks to be Rico, man. It, feels, <laughs> it does. It does. No. <laughs> this show just feels very deliberate in how it constructs everything in terms of how it frames shots in terms of the dialogue that it has. There's even something I noticed when uh, Rika talks with Yuta after, after she talks with Akane on the bus and Akane tells her that she's artificial and she talks to Yuta after that. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to go apologize to Itsumi and stuff like that. And the conversation they have there is just so completely different from the first conversation they had in the first episode. Because in that first episode, they're talking past each other. They don't understand what the other person is trying to get at. They have they don't know what's going on. And the camera, quote camera, it's animated. But the way that it's shot is very like jerky and weirdly edited and with sharp cuts to it. It just looks weird. And in this episode, when she's talking to Yuta, after that revelation, it's almost rotoscoped in how smooth it looks. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. it's like weirdly mm-hmm. lifelike, especially compared to the animation in the other parts of the episode. It really sticks out. I think that's just such a cool contrast. But just little details like that, because we've talked so much about references in the animation, references to other Ultraman series and stuff like that. But it seems like every little thing that goes into this show is there for a reason. That Absolutely. shows a sign of like a great art director right there to know what to do with their shots. Um, but yeah, like to echo what Pre said, it seems like everything in this show is done like that. Like the directors are very purposeful. Everything's done very methodically. Everything's planned out carefully. Um, the art direction is excellent. The writing's excellent. Like I haven't really got any complaints about it. To be perfectly honest. I don't really know nope. a lot of two people, a lot of people like watching it, except for like us and like maybe one other person. I feel like it's flying under the radar, except for Anna Twitter yeah. that just wants it for the underaged girls. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, there was, there was a poll that some account made that's like, oh, who's the best girl, Akane or Rika? Oh, and I saw all that. The, all oh. the comments under it were just absolutely gross. That was the yeah. J list account. Okay, that, that would explain why they were Yikes. all gross then. <laughs> Yeah, Annie Twitter, uh, notoriously gross. Anyway, um, so yeah, on that note, we're going to um, end the podcast. That's Bill Caster's Guidance out. Um, guys, do you want to tell us where we can find you on social media? Start meta. I am uh, at Sentai5. You can find me for Power Rangers Hexagon. And by that, I mean at the Meta Factor on Twitter. Don't look at the YouTube. That's old. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me. This is actually Sentai5 talking. You can find me on Twitter 
Instagram, YouTube, at Sentai5. Get us premium uh, and, Snapchat. <laughs> no. Oh, by the way, if you guys have a pre- premium Snapchat, I'm reporting you all. I don't care anymore. If I have to pay taxes every year and you don't, nah, it's ending right now. 100%. <laughs> Uh, so you can find me at Sunglass Free on Twitter. That's where I spend like 90% of my day anyways. You can also find me on uh, my blog, Capes and Cool Scarves, where I do more or less recurring. I'm late on this week's article. Uh, articles that go more in depth into Gridman. You can also find stuff on there about Writer, Ultraman, various comic book stuff, whatever strikes my fancy. Uh, please check it out. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Macabre Chap. You can find Legion of Boom on Twitter and Instagram. That's L-E-G-1-0-N of Boom. And you can find Buildcasters on Twitter and Instagram at Buildcasters. And on that note, Buildcasters Guide and out. Peace. Battle ended. ended.